This is the EPFR Exchange Podcast. All opinions expressed by Cam, Todd, and our podcast guests are solely of their own opinion and do not reflect the opinion of EPFR or Informa, its parent company. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the EPFR Exchange Podcast. My name's Todd Willits, and I'm joined by EPFR's economist Cameron Brandt. We'll walk you through what our teams were monitoring last week in the data EPFR tracks, as well as what we'll look for in the upcoming week. Cam, good morning. Uh, Labor Day coming up here in the States. Any plans for the long weekend? Um, I think I'm going to uh, head down to Cape Cod if, uh, if I can sum up the courage to battle, battle the late summer traffic. Um, and... Uh, uh, avoid getting nibbled by a great white shark down there. Best of luck on both fronts. Um, so this week, <laughs> I think the, or this past week, the maybe it's the inflection point we've been looking for. Do you think that EM bonds are the newest jewel in the eyes of yield-hungry investors? Um, I certainly think that uh, we are uh, at or approaching an inflection point there. Um, the, the high yield uh, funds have been stuffed with money to the point where I think uh, a lot of investors feel that their level of exposure to that asset class um, is pushing into uh, the area where the risks exceed the rewards for doing so. Um, and emerging markets uh, debt really has been a bit of a laggard in terms of investors being willing to return. Um, and, and the you know the underlying case I think is fairly good. Um, the uh, the growth rates overall in emerging markets are likely to be. <laughs> not as bad, I think is the right way of putting it, as uh, is the case for developing markets as a whole, um, with commodity prices rallying uh, in many areas, you know, the underlying uh, support, certainly for the sovereign issues and many of the corporate issues is stronger. Um, so I think, uh, I think it's a move that makes sense from both a fundamental um, and a yield standpoint. Now, is it are it is it the broad EM bond groupings that we're seeing those flows into, or is it the single country funds? Because I know that tends to to show some sentiment if we do see those single country flows. Um, yes, and that's a good question. The answer for the EM bond funds at the moment is both with uh, an emphasis on uh, China country funds. Uh, China country bond funds have um, posted back-to-back uh, -back weekly record inflows, um, and I think uh, certainly sentiment towards China with its uh, its, its government policy committed to growth, uh, its, its strong foreign exchange reserves, uh, and the fact that it is expected to still post some growth this year um, has singled it out. Uh, but elsewhere, the, the second sort of strongest signal is the support that the diversified global emerging markets bond funds have been seeing. Um, so um, though China's definitely kind of uh, 
uh, stands out at the country level. This is a fairly broad-based uh, trend that we've been seeing in the past. You know, weeks. speaking of those single country fund groups, uh, a question that I, I've I've been thinking about and curious to to get your take on this: What relationship do you think, especially now, uh, we're seeing between those single country fund groups? and the pandemic conditions in each country. For instance, I know in your uh, in your weekly EPFR Navigator that you put out on Friday, you point out a good amount of activity with Brazil, China, Spain, not all in the same direction. But do you think there is a relationship between what's happening in a country like Spain or Brazil and the flows we're seeing into those single country fund groups? Um, I think there's definitely a, re- a relationship, but it's not sort of a, a perfect correlation. Uh, infections go up and money goes out. Uh, the case in point there being the uh, strong flows we saw into Brazil uh, equity funds this past week. Uh, investors are still trying as best they can to look to the future. And if uh, economic data shows um uh, you know, again, an inflection point uh, or, or some upside, uh, they'll move despite the COVID numbers. And that said, if you look at uh, the flows to the Europe country funds recently, um, you, you know, the correlation actually seems much tighter. Uh, this week, uh, Sweden, uh, Sweden equity funds had their um, uh, 11th consecutive weekly inflow. They took a very light touch approach, which uh, seems to be working uh, and is still attracting speculation that it will prove uh, to be a prescient move when and if there's sort of an uptick again in the fall. Uh, while Britain and France and Spain, the, the fund groups dedicated to those markets where there's sort of a real fear that uh, COVID cases uh, are taking off again and are going to uh, compel authorities to uh, reinstitute at least local lockdowns. Uh, you know, also fairly significant outflows uh, in the case of Spain, the biggest for several months. Well, it, it may not be a uh, a reaction to the cases. Certainly, the U.S. I think is a is an interesting example to look at. Right? <laughs> I think we've always had this pushback on what we do at EPFR and the data we track that says, well, asset flows are going to follow prices, obviously. Uh, But those who say that clearly haven't seen what's happening with the U.S. equity market. Can you explain a bit? Yes. Well, there's one, I think, big underlying uh, reason that uh, all too often uh, you read headlines about one of the major equities indexes hitting a new high, uh, and you look at our U.S. equity flows and they're they're middling to negative. Uh, And that is a demographic one. Um, U.S. equity funds, mutual funds and ETFs, um, the the big tailwind they picked up uh, late last century was the – shift in the U.S. uh, in responsibility for providing for your retirement from uh, corporate plans to the individual ones, the IRAs, the uh, 401ks. 
Um, and the, uh, the group that uh, embraced that process and used uh, mutual funds to, uh, as their vehicles for, for saving for themselves were the baby boomers. Uh, that cohort, as we, we know, ad nausea is retiring in ever greater numbers. And when you're retired, um, you, you, volatility becomes less and less appealing. And the U.S. market, while the up trajectory is unequivocally upward, um, you know, that upward trajectory increasingly rests on a fairly narrow base, uh, you know, a handful uh, of the mega, mega tech stocks. Um, and has had some pretty spectacular dips along the way. So, you know, what we've seen is a fairly consistent and logical pattern that uh, when the U.S. markets spike again, uh, people take the opportunity to cash out. Um, and, you know, it's pretty clear where that money is going. It's going into U.S. bond funds. Um, and while the, the orders of magnitude are somewhat more extreme than we've seen in the past, uh, there's nothing you know, particularly unusual about that. Uh, you know, standard uh, retirement advice is that as you get closer to that magic date, you rotate more assets uh, out of equities, which are usually more rewarding but more volatile, uh, into safer asset classes such as U.S. treasuries, tips, etc. So, Cam, what are you and the team going to be looking for over this week? Um, you know, again, a little bit more of the same. Um, you know, inflation protected bond funds took in another billion. And, uh, you know, the, the, the level of angst amongst investors, uh, about inflation really is catching my eye given that, you know, we've had this sustained battle by central, central banks against deflation for, for at least the past decade. Um, and that concern about inflation seems to be spilling over into the commodities materials area. Uh, a lot of even sort of industrial metals are getting bid up. Uh, and while recovering economic activity is certainly a factor, uh, it seems that <coughs> um, investors are really casting their net widely when it comes to inflation hedges. <coughs> Still keeping an eye on Japan as we were last week. Uh, Shinzo Abe has not actually left and won't until a successor comes. Um, the consensus at the moment is that it'll be a, a caretaker candidate uh, until uh, the ruling Liberal Democrats next go to the electorate. Uh, and then there's more of a chance that some of the repress political talent uh, that has operated in a shadow for a better part of the last decade will bubble up. Um, uh, <clears throat> but it, it's certainly an inflection point for Japan. Uh, so those are going to be the two main areas. Uh, we will also be uh, focusing in a bit on China uh, and uh, how foreign investors are sort of reacting to the mixed perceptions of its recovery. As always, you can find EPFR on LinkedIn and on Twitter at EPFR. To sign up to receive our EPFR daily exchange research we spoke about here, you can visit financialintelligence.informa.com. For questions or to suggest a topic for an upcoming podcast, you can email EPFR exchange podcast at informa.com. <laughs>